Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. Firstly, let me start by wishing you a very safe, enjoyable and healthy 2020. Uh, thank you very much for continuing to join me on this uh, podcast and hopefully over the, I get to share lots of useful information to help you uh, build wealth. Okay, so in this episode, I'd like to talk about what a financial planner does for you. So what is their day-to-day job? What does it look like? Um, And I think this is important for two reasons. The first one is that, firstly, it will give you a better appreciation for what's involved and therefore put you in a better position to decide uh, whether you're going to get enough value from engaging a financial planner. So that is, do you need one or are you fine to go it alone? Uh, And secondly, if you already have a relationship with a financial planner, then you know what a reasonable expectation is in terms of what they should be doing uh, on an ongoing basis. Okay, so let's jump into it. I've got a list of nine things that I think a financial planner should be uh, helping you with. But of course, depending on your circumstances and the planner's uh, arrangements, of course, there could be things outside of this that uh, either I work with with clients and help them or that clients may need assistance beyond uh, these nine criteria. Uh, So first first thing is to develop a long-term strategy. That's pretty um, self-explanatory. In fact, it's one of the predominant reasons that people engage a financial planner is so they can help them map out a long-term investment strategy that's going to help them achieve their financial and lifestyle goals. And that would include um, what to invest in, how much, when, what sort of ownership structures, et cetera, et cetera. Really uh, a bit of a recipe, if you like, from how to get from A to B, being A is being where you are and B is obviously your financial and lifestyle goals and so forth. Um, I believe and always have believed that adopting a holistic approach um, really generates or or produces the, the most efficient and effective strategy, so therefore generates the most amount of value for a client because it considers all facets, including super, property, shares, tax minimization, and so on. Uh, whereas a sort of piecemeal approach, so dealing with someone, for example, that can advise on shares but not property or vice versa, or someone that doesn't have that well-rounded tax knowledge or doesn't have, really have knowledge on what's doable from a borrowing capacity perspective, for instance, um, opportunities might slip through the gaps there. So therefore, a holistic approach I think is um, is really wise. Of course, a long-term strategy needs to be robust enough to accommodate expected and to some degree unexpected changes in your financial situation, in markets, in laws and so forth. So that's not to say that you know small uh, adjustments might uh, won't be necessary on an ongoing basis. They probably will be, but really shouldn't probably need to throw out the whole strategy. Uh, obviously, engaging an advisor to help you develop a long-term strategy is going to yield uh, uh, quite a few benefits, including giving you the comfort that you are actually taking the right approach, ensuring you don't waste time going the wrong, pursuing the wrong path, strategy, or avenue, and therefore, you know, then you've got to really change everything ten years later when you work out, hey, I've been um, going down the wrong path, and you've wasted that ten-year period. Um, making sure that you've considered all strategies as well. Some of the feedback that I get from working with clients is that they, I present a strategy and people go, wow, okay, I never would have thought to you know, take that approach. 
So the first one is develop a long-term strategy. The next one, that the, the next bit that a financial planner will spend time on is researching investment options and strategies. And I think this is really important. You know, the financial services industry is very dynamic. It's always changing. Fund managers are busily uh, working hard to try and find an edge, a strategy that will help them achieve or produce better returns, or at least market a way in which it sounds like they'll be able to produce better returns. Uh, and also there's more academic and peer-reviewed research that's being published, you know, particularly on the internet at an increasing rate. It's really, there's a lot of, there's volumes and volumes and volumes of information out there. And so it's important to keep on, on top of it. Now, the key takeaway here is you have to determine what is a fundamentally sound, safe, proven strategy that is worthy of adoption versus what is just marketing noise because a lot of it is just marketing. You know, let's develop a product uh, that's for that's going to address a, a popular theme at the moment and therefore attract a whole lot of monies, investment monies, for which we can charge fees on and that's their business model. That's what they're that's what they're hoping to do is to come up with a product that sounds so good that you decide to invest in it. That's marketing and, you know, there's lots of ways that they can try and persuade people to make that investment. Uh, whereas that's not what we want, what we want to get sidetracked uh, from. And I, I guess, I reckon out of maybe every 50 to 100 products or strategies I look at, I might pursue only one of them. So you've got to be super selective about what you're investing in, how it works, whether it's proven, um, oh, there's there's so many considerations, but it's important to keep on top of, and you don't definitely don't want to miss out on any opportunities uh, because you haven't uh, kept abreast of all the changes uh, in the marketplace. Uh, which is a good segue into the third thing that uh, a financial advisor needs to do is really keep on top of all the tax, super, and compliance laws law changes. It's ridiculous how much there really is. And again, if you want to be a holistic advisor, you really need to keep on top of what's happening in markets, what's happening in property, what's happening in tax and what's happening in credit uh, and estate planning laws and these sorts of things. You've really got to have a well-rounded sort of holistic approach. So, for example, I spend two hours of each month in a classroom learning about all the recent tax changes you know, I've got to admit it's not the highlight of of my month. It's it's arduous and and frankly boring, uh, but but necessary. You know, I attend a lot of uh, events, half or full day sort of training events to keep on top of markets, products, and strategies. Have regular one on one meetings with lots of different fund managers, and that's in addition to reading and consuming lots of books and blogs and podcasts and so forth. So it is a very time consuming process. Uh, to make sure that you're able to keep on top of things, to ensure that you're giving accurate advice. Uh, the fourth thing is to make sure your client doesn't make any mistakes. Uh, so often, I, I think investing is very simple, but it's not always easy. Uh, and the reason why it's not always easy is uh, is that it's 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 people are often distracted by shiny objects. You know, the new thing in the market or react to, to fear. You know, there's tons of negative uh, newspaper articles or hysterical predictions. Um, sometimes they're tempted to try and take shortcuts. Uh, so they're sort of uh, promoted, therefore, by greed. And I guess the best evidence that investing is simple but not easy is the fact that most people, most Australians, actually fail to accumulate enough wealth to enjoy a comfortable, self-funded retirement. 
so uh, the point is that what we need to do is help clients uh, stick to the straight and narrow, follow the strategy, not be blind to opportunities. If there's opportunities that arise, of course, we need to give it due consideration. But we really need to make sure that we're not distracted. We stay on the straight and narrow. We make really good uh, quality decisions. And that includes avoiding what is probably the most insidious mistake, uh, which is procrastination. And the reason I say it's insidious is because um, it tends to sort of creep up on you. That is, you're faced with a very difficult decision. What do I do with these monies? Or how do I allocate my surplus cash flow? You think, I'll get to that decision. I'll get to that decision. And before you know it, five years have passed you by and you've done absolutely nothing. And the thing is that procrastination can really cost you a lot in terms of opportunity cost. Um, We received an inquiry from a client this morning uh, that has a considerable amount of monies that has just been in turn deposits. And they're thinking about... Uh, investing that and they want some assistance with it. Uh, Now, it's a long-term relationship. It'll work out fine, I'm sure, if we choose to work with each other. Um, But the point is, just after the markets have done double-digit returns, you know, the the Aussie markets uh, last financial year up 24%, uh, just now they decide, okay, uh, you know, we we should invest it. Now, of course, I'm not picking on them. Maybe their circumstances uh, have... Um, uh, resulted in in them having to make those decisions. But the point is, we need to help our clients make really timely decisions. And that's exactly what a financial advisor will do, is give you the confidence and, and, and provide the accountability for making timely decisions. Number five, they have to help you with you, make sure you manage your cash flow effectively. It's near on impossible to build wealth if you're spending all or most or even more of your income. You need to have a regular surplus investable income. And really, astute cash flow management is really just about making conscious decisions. It's, that is, it's unconscious expenditure that's really the enemy of successful wealth accumulation. And unconscious expenditure is really spending money on things that you don't uh, that, that ultimately don't really add to your standard of living or spending a certain amount well and above uh, that's really necessary. So, you know, if you're buying 10 coffees a day, for example, at a takeaway and it ends up costing you $10,000 a year, you know, you're just not um, consciously going to decide let's spend 10 grand on takeaway coffees this year. So it's a really uh, helping you um, get rid of unconscious expenditure and it's actually easier and less painful than people might think, but an advisor needs to make sure you're on top of your cash flow. Uh, Number six is they take responsibility for making financial decisions. Now, um, the point, I'd like to make a point here, of course, it's your money, so you have to take the responsibility for it, and you can't delegate that responsibility. However, you can get help, and you can um, ask someone to make financial decisions on your behalf and then hold them accountable so you don't then feel the burden or the full responsibility of making your financial, your family's financial decisions. And it's much like a business will hire a, a CFO, a chief financial officer, and then hold them accountable for the results that they produce. You can hire your own personal CFO, if you like, um, to use the analogy, uh, and then hold them accountable. Now, it means that um, you still need to take an active interest in your money. You still need to know how it's performing, where you're spending your money and those sorts of things. But you certainly don't need to antagonize over sort of investment decisions and worry about markets and worry about performance and those sorts of things. 
that's the financial advisor's job. Uh, they're on the hook for the results and all you need to do is make sure you hold them accountable and understand what they're doing with your money. And I find that working with a lot of clients, that's one of the, the key, uh, quite often it's an unexpected uh, benefit of, of working together is that they feel a lot more relaxed about their financial future because they know they don't have to take the burden of the full responsibility for making all the financial decisions. Okay, number seven, very important, reviewing performance and considering whether any changes are required. Uh, so it's a very important task to understand how has your portfolio performed over the last year, over the last three years, over the last five years, over the last 10 years, to work out whether your money is working hard enough for you and whether the advice you've been receiving uh, is also working. So I like to do it as a financial advisor to make sure I'm actually delivering the value that, that I said that I was going to deliver. I can't control markets, but I can certainly uh, control how we invest. And I need to make sure on a regular basis that it's doing, it's behaving exactly how I expect it to behave. Um, but from your perspective, you need to make sure that you're holding, if you're getting advice, you certainly want to hold those advisors accountable. So looking at performance is important from those, uh, from, from that perspective. It will also allow us to work out whether any changes need to be made. So things might be performing as we expect them to, uh, but maybe we need to make some changes along the way. Uh, it's important to benchmark returns. Uh, so I use two benchmarks. I use Australian Super, which is Australia's largest industry super fund, and the relevant index to kind of uh, benchmark to provide a context for assessing performance. Uh, so that's important that, that your advisor does that as well so that you know, okay, if I had to put my money elsewhere, how would have it performed? Uh, because we're all got lots of options on one, who we want to use as an advisor and where we want to invest the monies. And so it's really important to have a look at that. Uh, a financial planner will typically undertake or should typically undertake formal and informal reviews. So a formal review would be sitting down with the client and saying, here's the portfolio, here's what changes we think we need to make, this is what the performance has been, this is what I like and this is what I don't like. Um, an informal review will be something that I will sit, do. I'll sit down at my desk and might have a look at a particular portfolio. I've been doing some this morning uh, and I might look at it and go, look, I'm really happy. I don't want to do anything. Now, the client, a client might not know I've done that. I don't necessarily want to create more work for myself by picking up the phone or sending them an email to say, hey, I've just done this. Uh, but it's important that a client's you know, keeping on top of, of things. Remember, you don't want to chase returns. You don't want to incentivize your advisor uh, to uh, try and produce better short-term returns at the cost of producing longer-term returns. So sometimes I will say to clients, look, we might underperform the market, um, but it is our intention uh, because what we're trying to do is address these risks, A, B, and C, and D, whatever it is. Uh, so it's not just all about returns. Uh, we need to think about the risk profile as well. Uh, the second last item is obviously to be on hand to answer any questions and navigate any changes or assist with any major financial decisions. You know, most of my clients find great comfort in the fact that they're able to seek counsel from someone that's one, totally independent, and two, that they trust, that also understands their personal circumstances and has a really thorough understanding of what their long-term strategy is. And with that context, they can then just run um, issues past me and know that they're getting a well-rounded 
uh, and full sort of counsel or opinion about what they should do or if they should do anything as a result of anything that's changing in their life. Uh, and lastly, the last step is they need to help you protect you and your family and your assets. Uh, so that that's probably really gives rise to sort of two situations, which is firstly, uh, protecting assets from known and unknown risks. And that includes ensuring you've got the right insurance cover, like income protection, life, TPD, insurance, those sorts of things. Ensuring you've got the right estate planning documents, wills, power of attorneys, letter of wishes, binding financial agreements, and so on. Uh, it can extend to things like in, uh, expected inheritance receipts to make sure they're structured correctly. So if you expect to receive some monies from a, a parent or a grandparent or relative, you know, we want to make sure they're going to come into your asset pool effectively and those sorts of things. Uh, the second uh, uh, issue to, in terms of protecting your assets it really only applies mostly to, to people that are in retirement because at some point capital preservation becomes more important than investment returns. Uh, and so therefore it's really important that uh, particularly someone in, that's in retirement uh, fully appreciate their risk profile and make sure they've got an asset allocation that's congruent with that risk profile, uh, which is a bit of a challenge today because you know in the, in the past, uh, certainly when cash rate was higher, we could just put it all in turn deposits. Uh, and that felt, felt very safe. But if we're only getting 2% uh, and falling, uh, turn deposits isn't necessarily a great answer. Uh, the, the default, oh, well, let's stick it in the stock market, isn't necessarily a good answer either. Uh, so it's important that people in retirement uh, make sure they've got the right investment strategy and asset allocation uh, so they don't need to uh, expose their monies to any risk and so forth. Okay, so there, the that's the the summary of what a financial planner should do. Let me go through the the nine things: develop a long term strategy, research investment options and strategies, and spend a lot of time doing that. Keeping up to date with all the changes, uh, making sure you don't make any mistakes, so hold you accountable, and keep you on the straight and narrow. Help you manage cash flow effectively. Take responsibility for making financial decisions, so you don't have to have the burden of doing that. Review performance of your assets. Number eight is to answer questions and number nine is to make sure they protect your assets. So as you can see, a financial planner's role is a lot more than just telling you what to do with your money and where to invest it and so forth, or at least an independent holistic financial advisor's role is. Uh, hopefully that gives you a better understanding of what they do and what they can help you with. Uh, and of course, if you need any more information, there is uh, notes in the show notes and also the blog on our website. Again, thank you very much for tuning into the podcast and looking forward to sharing with you lots more throughout 2020. Bye for now.